the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Super grateful to have you guys here. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. You know, we... As I always say, I just want this thing to grow and I want this thing in as many ears and eyes as possible. And I can't do it without you guys. So if you get value from the show, subscribe, leave us a review. I truly greatly appreciate it. Today's episode is um, jam-packed. We dive into a lot of different things. Um, we talk about you know pivoting from one career to another we get into some actual, some foundations and some tactics on, um, you know, the crazy world of social media marketing and advertising. So this conversation has a lot and Dorothy Ilson is joining us today. I was on her podcast recently, do well, do good podcast, which is also, um, really powerful. And she's just a nice human being and she's doing some really, really amazing things. And I just really wanted to highlight the importance of how important it is that if your current job or whatever your is you're pursuing isn't giving you what you need, it's okay to take a risk and to you know pivot into something else. And that's what she talks about. It wasn't easy, but she made it happen. And if she can make it happen, if anybody can make it happen, you can make it happen. So listen to this closely. There's a lot of golden nuggets in here. And yeah, I'm really excited for you guys. So Enjoy the show. We'll catch you on the other side. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest is a digital marketer and podcaster who aims to show people that creating massive financial success and making massive impact can go hand in hand. After taking a huge risk to go out on her own without any income, she invested $30,000 into a game-changing program that changed her directory of her life. She has now founded Needles Eye Media, a full-service Facebook and Instagram advertising agency, which has become the premier media buying partner for seven-figure personal brands and other digital product businesses who are looking to scale their customer acquisition with paid traffic. On top of all that, she's going on to launch the Do Well, Do Good podcast, which tells stories of people who have not only created successful, been successful professionally, but I've chosen to leverage that success to increase the positive impact in the world. And I'm super excited to have her on because I was just on her show. It was amazing. She does such an awesome job and it's an honor to have her on. So please welcome Dorothy Ilson to the show. Thank you, Lance. It's so exciting to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you. Um, and that's why I was like, okay, hey, we got to hit record because I know we were already talking and <laughs> happening and I'm like okay we got to make sure because sometimes we all the good stuff I'm like oh I should have hit record it's always um, fun to flip the tables when yeah. you've done an interview on someone else's show and now you get to do it the other direction <laughs> yeah, exactly and I really had fun on yours it's um it was really great and yeah it's 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 very impactful what you're doing so you know thank you for that um I'm super excited to get into your story and what you're doing and all that but let's Give everybody a bit of a, a background about yourself and, you know, tell us, go as far back as you want, as you feel is fit for this and let us know who you are and what you're all about. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I would say my my entrepreneurial journey started pretty young. When I was uh, about five years old, I really wanted a dog, right? There was nothing I wanted more in the world and my parents were not on board. And so at six years old, I started Dorothy's Dog Walking Service because I figured if I couldn't have my own dog, well, I could walk other people's, right? So my parents were um, really not uh, not too worried about the whole stranger danger thing. So literally at six years old, I was knocking on neighbors' doors like by myself, pushing this dog walking service. Um, it was free. I had not figured out monetization. But it was, uh, I think, the first time in my life where I learned the lesson about, you know, if you want something you, you have to go out and get it. Right. And so, um, you know, moving, moving on through my life and, and going to school, I, I actually had a pretty traditional idea of, uh, you know, what success was going to look like in my life. Um, my parents were entrepreneurial, but I didn't really, um, I didn't really know that that was going to be my path. And so I actually set my sights on, uh, accounting. Um, I uh, was was good at it, you know. It came pretty naturally to me, and so when I started working my way through um, through college, I had this goal of getting a job with uh, with one of the big four accounting firms, and so that was really my laser focus. And uh, I double majored in finance and accounting, and I ended up successfully getting that job. I did my internship at Price Waterhouse Coopers here in Chicago, and um, was uh, was fully ready to, um, you know, to move forward with that career path, accepted the full-time offer after my internship going into senior year. And then what happened was about halfway through my senior year of college, I stumbled upon this whole world of personal development. And that really just, it flipped everything upside down for me because I had always looked at everything from a very, um, you know, either or type of perspective, right? You know, if I wanted to have, um, you know, financial success, if I wanted to have stability, if I wanted to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, have the lifestyle that I thought that I wanted, well, then I needed a steady, stable, successful career. And so accounting definitely was that for me. But as I started to, you know, explore this, this world of personal development, it occurred to me, you know, wait, this isn't actually going to get me what I want. You know, I want this certain kind of lifestyle, but what I'm signing up for here is a, you know, 40 year path of working 80 hour weeks and, um, you know, sure making good money. But I sort of asked myself this question of, you know, is accounting going to, just make me money or is it actually going to make me happy? And I really, you know, couldn't answer that affirmatively. And so ended up taking a big leap of faith, uh, called up PwC two weeks after graduation and told them I wasn't coming, um, gave up that job, job offer and uh, ended, up, uh, ended up finding my way at a startup here in Chicago instead, which just completely sent me on a different trajectory, um, which, which we can certainly get into. But uh, I think it's, it was just a really interesting lesson for me to, to learn early on that you know, we are in control of our own destiny. And, you know, as I was projecting out what my life was going to look like on the path that I was on, you know, I, I didn't like what I saw. And so I made a change and it was 
frankly terrifying. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do or, or where that was going to lead, but I knew what I didn't want. And so I think that has really been the, you know, overarching theme to, you know, what my life has looked like since that moment of just, you know, constantly looking at the trajectory of, of what I'm doing, figuring out if I like it and if not, you know, making adjustments and, and really, you know, just that, that really cliche phrase of, you know, follow your bliss or whatever. Um, it's, it's cliche, but that's really what I've done. Um, and I think it's been very interesting to see the way that all of these different twists and turns have, you know, ultimately brought me here now, you know, at the age I'm, I'm only 27. Um, but I've already created a life that is just far beyond what I ever dreamed was possible for myself in terms of, you know, time freedom and, and just, you know, the, the ability to have control over my life in a way that I wouldn't have if I had stuck on that path. Yeah. It, it's crazy how, um, we're, everybody just wants to be safe and do the safe, the safe route. You know, mm -hmm. you go and, and it was the same when I, when I was younger trades, everyone was talking about the baby boomers retiring. So all the, the men and women weren't into it that much, but like, it was like, go get a trade. It's the mm -hmm. safe job. It's the safe, go to university back then there was no talk of this entrepreneur stuff. Like, but I, I love that because it does take such a risk and that is such a, a challenge that a lot of people aren't willing to dive into because it's the unknown. Right. Mm -hmm. And I admire that because that's a great job that you had, right? Like that's a huge, that's a huge thing. And, and okay, what I, what fascinates me is like, I'm sure there was a few things that, but what was, why then? Why, why did you do it then? Like why the timing? Like why not before? And you know, what was there? Was it like a book or was there like a mentor? Was there something that was like, yeah. whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like this is, this is like the lights just kind of gone off here. Right, right. Well, to to get a little more specific with you, I mean, what what happened was uh, just just at the end of winter break, my senior year of college, I was introduced to a network marketing company, and I was completely ignorant of that whole industry, just very naive. I I really um, didn't know anything about it, but I saw an opportunity where there was there was no ceiling on what I could achieve. You know the um, the only real, um, the only real restriction was how hard was I willing to work, and that was very, very attractive to me. And so I, I really dove headfirst into that, and it was that world that um, that really introduced me to personal development. So I read Think and Grow Rich. I read, you know, all of these, all these classic personal development, um, you know, self-help type of books. And that just opened my eyes to a whole new world of, you know, this idea that I could really write my own destiny. You know, I could create anything I wanted, exactly what I wanted, and that I didn't need to fit within these bounds of what I thought was reasonable or what I thought was expected of me. And so when I, you know, then three, you know, five months later, I guess grad was graduating from, from college. I was on my way to this job that, you know, half a year ago, I was really excited about, but now I was just looking at it with dread, like, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? Um, you know, I was going to graduate and, you know, start studying for the CPA exam. And 
I just wasn't excited about it at all. Um, it felt like something that was, you know, actually going to hold me back from creating the life that I really wanted. And it didn't feel like this, you know, oh, I can just go to this job and, you know, maybe in a year or so I'll figure out, you know, what I want to do. It, it kind of felt like this, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I'm not going to go to this job with one foot out the door. Um, you know, especially when I'm going to spend the next year pouring myself into, you know, passing the CPA and, um, you know, and working just the insane hours that comes being, um, you know, a, an early a low level employee at, at one of those firms. So I had a pretty good idea of what life was going to look like if I went down that path. And I just knew, I, I knew deep down that if I, if I started down that path, it was going to be very, very difficult to get off of it as opposed to, you know, taking the leap, taking the risk of just, uh, you know, not even going down that road. And so that was what I did. Yeah. So was it the, it obviously the enticing thing wasn't the money for you then it would have been what it would have been like the freedom aspect of well, it. Well, it was actually the money yeah. because I, I, I was, uh, I was sort of starting to look at that job as, you know, a place where the money was capped, you know, yeah. I'm going to oh, make right. $55,000 a year, you know, my first two years, then I'll make 65, then I'll make 80 or whatever. But you know, it was, it was very, um, uh, just, very obvious, you know, what that trajectory was going to look like, um, and how much money I'd be able to make at every step of the process mm. versus, uh, you know, if I went a different direction, you know, it, in my head, I was thinking this was going to be network marketing. Um, it didn't end up being that ultimately. Um, but I was just thinking to myself, you know, I need to find, I need to find something that I can do where again, my income is only going to be capped by, you know, how, how much I'm willing to push, how far I'm willing to go. And so that was what was, you know, really attractive to me about, um, you know, going in a different direction. And so, um, you know, I ended up moving to Chicago anyway. I already had an apartment and roommates and everything. So I moved here without really much of a plan, frankly. And it's, it's amazing how, you know, when you, when you back yourself up against a wall or, you know, kind of the, when you jump, the, the net will appear. Um, it was really like that for me. You know, I just put myself out there and within a month of moving to Chicago, um, just in a very serendipitous way, I met the wife of the co-founder of the, the business that I ultimately ended up going to work for. And, um, and became the third employee at a startup here in Chicago and um, spent three and a half years there. And that was really just an unbelievable learning experience for me. I continued pouring myself into personal development and, um, and it was really the launching pad for everything that's happened since. Yeah. And it's funny because there's so many of us that I I've connected with have started out in the network marketing mm -hmm. and I know it has its it has its share of uh, a bad rep, but it has so many good things about it. Like, as far as it's usually the products and stuff are good and all that, but like it's really I really love the working on yourself aspect because yeah. most times people just don't understand why working on yourself is important, mm -hmm. right? And I, I I did the same thing. That's how I started out too, and you get these books and you start to read and you start to peel back one layer and you go down that rabbit hole and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. 
you know, and you start to see successful people talking about the same things. And you're like, well, wait a minute, maybe this stuff works. Right, right. right. And you start applying it into your life and you're like, well, things are getting a little bit better here. Like, what's yeah. a little happier, a little more jump in my stride, you know, getting along. I'm attracting more high quality people. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And um, very, very powerful at kind of setting up the base. So, okay, you got into you got into this and you obviously have a work ethic to be able to do what you've done before in the accounting. There's no doubt. So to be able to channel that work ethic into something else that's not capped must've been exciting for you. You know, how about from there? Why, why Facebook? Why social media? You know, why was that enticing to you? Yeah. So what happened was I, I went to work for this startup that I mentioned and I was there for three and a half years and it was really a crash course in what it looks like to scale a business. Um, that startup was completely bootstrapped. Um, it was, it was built you know, from, like I said, I was their third employee. So it was very early on when I joined, honestly, I didn't even realize how early on it was when I accepted the job. Um, and you know, we, as a team, we grew that business from zero to 6 million a year in revenue in the first three years. And so, you know, that was just, um, just really eye-opening for me. And we did that almost entirely off the back of Facebook ads. Um, and so when, um, when it came time for me to leave that business, what happened was the, the co-founder who I worked for directly and just really admired, he ended up deciding to leave. And so I knew it was, it was time for me to move on as well. Um, and I, at that point did know that, you know, starting a business was my eventual goal, but I didn't expect it to happen at 25. Right. Um, but when, uh, when I started interviewing and, and looking around at different jobs for my next opportunity, I realized that, you know, I'd been, um, <laughs> frankly, a bit spoiled having my first job out of school be something where, you know, I, um, I had a ton of flexibility. I had a ton of autonomy. Um, we had an office here in Chicago, but we also had remote employees. So I was able to travel. I was able to work from home as much as I wanted, you know, work from anywhere I wanted. And I realized that I wasn't willing to go backwards uh, in terms of the type of flexibility and freedom that I had in my work. And so as I was interviewing around and talking to other startups, you know, I realized I'm just, I'm not going to go work somewhere that's going to make me be in an office here in Chicago five days a week. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And so I think what is very interesting um, and that, you know, I didn't necessarily realize at the time, but in hindsight, looking back, we tend to we tend to analyze risk sometimes in, um, in sort of an interesting way. I mean, when I got this idea in my head as I, you know, was interviewing around, wasn't finding what I was looking for, I got this thought of, well, hey, what if I tried to do something on my own? What if I didn't go get a job? What would that look like? And my, you know, all of my friends, all of the people close to me in my life said, well, gosh, you can't do that. That's so risky. That's such a big risk, 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 risk. And I realized is it, is it really that big of a risk? Because if you think about where I was at that point, I needed a job. Uh, and I was fairly confident in my ability to get a job pretty quickly. Uh, and so to me, I looked at it more and, you know, what is the, 
what is the real risk here? If I try to do something on my own and it doesn't work out, I find myself, you know, out of money, can't pay my rent. Uh, you know, what will I do? I'll, I'll have to go get a job, but that's where I already was of having to go get a job. And so it actually seemed, um, it seemed the opposite. It actually didn't seem like much of a risk at all. Uh, if shit really hit the fan, I would go get a job. And, you know, if not, if it worked out, then, then great. And so I think sometimes a lot of the, a lot of the risk is, is more in our heads than anything else. Now, obviously I know that, you know, in, in a lot of ways there, uh, there's, there's some privilege behind a statement like that. Um, but you know, I knew that, um, you know, I knew that if worse came to worst, if the absolute worst case scenario happened, it just meant that I was going to have to really go hustle and, you know, find a job and find a job quickly and take whatever I could get and, and that I would be fine. And so that is really how I have, um, how I've approached a lot of different decisions of, okay, what is the worst case scenario here? And can I get comfortable with that worst case scenario? And so, you know, you asked how I figured out the Facebook ads was the thing. Um, well, when I decided, all right, I'm going to do something on my own, I had no idea what that was going to be. Um, you know, I worked in marketing at that startup, but I you know, wasn't directly running our Facebook ads or anything like that. My experience was really um, kind of broad in a lot of different areas of, of email marketing and paid traffic and, and lots of things. Um, and so for about four to five months, I just really floundered. It was a big struggle. I was making no money. I had no idea what I was doing or what I should be doing. Um, I ended up uh, getting to that place of, I can't pay my rent this month. What am I going to do? So I ended up uh, renting my apartment out on Airbnb, um, you know, staying uh, with my, my partner who lived in Lexington at the time. We were long distance. So I would, you know, go down there for six weeks at a time and rent out my apartment to people here in Chicago, which was enough to pay my rent and enough to cover my, my basic bills. Um, but at the same time, I was building building debt. I was putting uh, expenses on a credit card. And in, um, I think it was April of, uh, of that year, I had another one of those just serendipitous moments, um, you know, where the universe kind of aligns. And my old boss from that startup had a ticket to um, a workshop on Facebook advertising that he couldn't go to. And so he offered me the ticket. And I went to this event. It was three days, um, just, you know, small group at, um, uh, Jason Hornung was the person putting on the event. Um, highly recommend him to anyone looking to learn Facebook ads. Um, but I went to this event and I thought to myself, Hey, you know, I think, I think I can do this. Not only that, I, I think I could be really good at this. And it was at this point where I was really, I was close to breaking, right? I couldn't really go too much longer uh, with, you know, not having any income besides the Airbnb, you know, not even being able to stay in my own apartment. Um, and so I really just had another one of these situations where, you know, it was either leap or give up and go get a job. And so at the end of this three-day event, Jason was pitching um, basically his, you know, high-level uh, mentorship program. So it was one year of being able to work with him one-on-one -on -one directly in, uh, you know, helping me to, um, to start this agency and to make sure that I could really deliver incredible results for my clients because that was the most important thing to me was, you know, I don't want to just go, go out there 
and, and do something for the sake of making money. You know, I want to make sure that I can really be good at this and that I can deliver um, for the people who are putting their trust in me. And so uh, the program was $30,000 for, for the year. I was flat broke. <laughs> I was in debt. Um, I did not have $30,000, but I didn't know what else I was going to do. And so again, it was one of those situations where I just had to close my eyes and take a leap of faith. I, it was funny. I actually called Jason, uh, then the, the second to last, uh, or the night before the workshop was going to end, he had invited people to, you know, call him if they had any questions about the program. And I was asking him, you know, Hey, can we do any kind of, you know, better payment plan or like, is there any, and the questions I was asking, I think it was kind of becoming obvious to him that I wanted to do this, but I didn't have the money. And he basically told me, uh, you know, I, I don't recommend this program to anyone who, you know, can't afford the program. Uh, so he was basically telling me, you know, don't do it if you don't have the money. And so I said, totally understand. Great. Thank you. Goodbye. And I showed up the next day and I'm like, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I just put, um, put the first $6,000 payment on a credit card and, um, and just put myself in this position where I had to make it work. I had to, there was no turning back. Uh, and so what was amazing was that, um, within about two months, um, from that point, I, uh, I, you know, got my first couple clients. I, uh, hit, um, I hit $10,000 a month uh, within three months, I think it was. And because I was working so closely with Jason and he was really teaching me everything that he knew, I was able to get great results for those clients. Um, and then, you know, they referred me to other clients and um, my business really grew off the back of referrals and, and word of mouth. And so um, it was just amazing to go through that process of, you know, putting myself in that position where I had to succeed and then putting in the work to make it happen and, and to make sure that, um, that I was doing it all the right way. So, you know, it was a long answer. Wow. <laughs> so. Oh man, that fires me up. That was awesome. That was, that's such a great story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just like, I'm like, wow. Cause it's, wow. I just, that is like the pinnacle story for, what it takes to really, because no, not many people would do that. Mm -hmm. That, that took, as they would say, took balls, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah. or like, you know, in general, yeah. like, it's like, that takes a lot of courage to do that because I mean, wow, you must've had something inside of you just telling you that you, you got this. Like, well, well, here's what it was. I was working equally hard, if not harder on myself and my mindset as I was on learning how to deliver for clients and learning how to run an agency. And right. so I think that is really the key because, you know, two people and look, there even were people in that exact same program, you know, working with Jason who didn't get the kind of results that I got. And I think the difference is, you know, you can have two people doing the exact same thing and getting drastically different results. And the difference is what's going on inside of their head. You know, what are the stories that they are telling themselves? And so, you know, I was just very deliberately flooding my mind with positivity, flooding it with, uh, you know, just, just, 
you know, the subliminal programming yeah. of, you know, you can do this. And sure. every single day when, before I had my first client, I was journaling every day. Um, for me journaling, I was actually like literally typing on my computer. I have a, a Google doc of my journal where I just brain dump every morning. And I was writing out exactly what my perfect client was going to look like. Um, you know, what, what kind of business they'd have, what kind of person they'd be, what kind of attitude they would have. Um, and you know, lo and behold, that client showed up for me. And then I was journaling about, you know, my first $10,000 month, what it's going to feel like to have that first $10,000 month, you know, what, um, you know, what that emotion would be and really getting in that feeling place of experiencing it. And then when I hit that goal, well, then I started journaling about, what my first $20,000 month would be like. And when I hit that, it was just, it was such an eye-opening experience to, you know, when I had that, when I had that first $20,000 month, I actually looked back at my journal and went all the way back to like the first day where I started, you know, writing that down and just seeing the way that, you know, the way that things materialized for me, uh, you know, exactly as I had set the intention I think when people are, you know, grinding it out, trying to make something happen, it's very easy to let the, you know, self-defeating talk, um, you know, come to the forefront, the negativity come to the forefront. And look, I'm not going to pretend there weren't moments. You know, there were plenty of moments where I was, you know, sitting there crying, um, saying, you know, how the hell am I going to do this? How am I going to make this work? But you have to push through those moments and continue to, to work at it until you can get to that place where the positivity is outweighing the negativity. And so for me, I've just had this experience over the last two and a half years of, you know, setting goals, setting intentions, being very deliberate about them, putting in the work to make them happen and then, and seeing that materialize. And I think that's just a, a really powerful experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can either, you have two ways. You can either speak negative or speak positive. You might as well choose the positive one, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's the language, it's the conversations you have with yourself and you you start to believe it. <laughs> yeah. The subconscious doesn't know the difference, whether what's right or wrong. It just goes with what hears, what, what it's surrounded by, what it hears the most, mm -hmm. right? And so, okay, let's get to the nitty gritty of your routine. I want to know, because this is huge. You've done, you've created massive success and you talk about you know, doing affirmations and goals. Let's break it down into steps for everybody. Like what, is, what does it look like for you, your morning routine, if you have one or, but what are the yeah. main core things? I know you kind of talked about them, but like the real core things that people could take away today that will really just set them up to kind of create what they want to create. Mm -hmm. So I want to preface this with I am certainly not perfect. Um, in fact, you know, I just uh, a couple weeks ago um, realized, uh, you know, hey, things aren't moving in exactly the direction I want them to move. Um, and then realizing, wait a second, I've fallen off of doing the things that got me here. I haven't been journaling consistently. I've been, um, you know, missing missing a day here, missing a day there on, on meditating or um, you know, really being deliberate about my routine. And so I think it's, it's really easy to, you know, hear people talk on podcasts about, you know, this, this perfect morning routine and think, you know, I could never do that. I can never stay consistent to that. And the reality is, is that, you know, it's, it's a constant work in progress. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what's been interesting for me is seeing that the times where I've had, I have experienced 
big periods of growth have been perfectly correlated to the times when I've really stuck to, to this mindset practice that, that I'll describe. So, um, you know, what that looks like for me is, you know, I, I wake up, um, and the first thing I do typically is exercise. So for me recently, um, I just ran my first half marathon. That was a, a big goal of mine. And so, um, for the last several months, that's been waking up, going for a run. Um, for me, if I wake up and try and meditate right away, I will fall asleep. <laughs> so I need to do something first to, to kind of get, um, get the blood flowing. Um, but then I, uh, I get back and, um, and I meditate. So that too is, is certainly a work in progress. You, know, you start with just being able to do two minutes, three minutes, and you work your way up. Um, now I, I actually use this really cool uh, machine called a casina, um, which you actually like wear these glasses that um, uh, pulses like these colors. It's um, oh yeah, it's you showed like, you showed me like, that before. Waves. Yeah, it's you had that on cool. a story. You had that on one of your stories. Yes. And I remember being like, "What is that thing?" <laughs> it's super, super cool. So I just started using that recently. And um, since I got that, I've actually been doing half hour meditations. Um, then after I'm done meditating, um, I, uh, I will do what is called, um, I actually got this from Abraham Hicks, if anyone is familiar with, uh, with that, um, but a rampage of appreciation. So this is basically where you, you know, think of something in your life that you can feel grateful for. And it can be something as simple as, you know, having a bed to sleep in at night uh, or having a, a car to get you where you need to be, or, you know, a person in your life that you're really grateful for. And you just focus, you know, hold that in your mind, really focus on that, that feeling place of gratitude, and then just go on this like literal rampage of just moving through all of these different things that you're grateful for and just, um, you know, just kind of, a like stream of consciousness style, um, you know, either writing or, or just thinking or speaking about things you're grateful for. And by the end of, you know, truly just like I usually do like two minutes, um, by the end of that, you just feel so incredible. Like you could go conquer the world. Um, so, uh, so then, uh, I mentioned that journaling is something that's been really, really powerful for me. Um, and I would argue that, um, that is the most critical part of, of my mindset practice, um, is, is the journaling. And so I typically, you know, start, um, start by journaling for, you know, about things I'm grateful for, things that came up during that rampage of appreciation. Um, and then I will start to journal about my goals as if they have already happened. So, you know, when I was journaling about, you know, hitting that first $20,000, you know, revenue month, um, I was, I was just going so deep, so specific on what that was going to feel like when I saw that money hit my bank account, you know, how thrilled my clients were going to be, because if I was going to get to $20,000 a month, that meant that I had to be delivering great results for, um, you know, a, a significant number of clients. Um, and so just journaling about how excited they were going to be, how grateful they were going to be for my help, um, you know, and, and just going deep until you get to that place of, of really feeling like that exists in your life at that very moment. Um, and, um, and that for me has been a very powerful 
practice. And I do it in all areas of my life, you know, certainly not just money or, or business, you know, in my relationship, um, you know, in, in really anything when we were apartment hunting and looking for our dream apartment, I got so detailed about, um, you know, what the, what the living room was going to look like the, the sunroom I was going to have that I was going to fill with plants and, um, you know, just all of, all of this stuff. And, um, it really is amazing how, you know, you can look back after some time has passed and see those things materialize in your life. So, um, so that's really it for me. It's, you know, exercise, it's meditation, it's journaling. Um, and then, uh, I'm not as consistent with this, but I also do like to do, um, affirmations, like literally in the mirror, like looking at myself and saying these things. Um, and that can be a very powerful practice as well. It's awesome. We, I, I like how you, you, you talked about how you're not perfect and, you know, that's the thing is a lot of people get wrapped up in like, they have to do all of it all the time or they're not, there doesn't have to be this be all end all mentality and get down on yourself because that deplete, that defeats the whole purpose of feeling good. Like it's meant to feel good. There's Mm -hmm. some days, you know, I just like to tell people like, don't take a zero, try and do at least a little bit of each, you know, and I'm the same. I've noticed in my business, like today, for instance, I didn't get up and meditate. I, I slept in and I knew I knew that my day wasn't going to be set up properly like it would have been if I did all the things like you just talked about. We have a very similar routine. And once you have that and you put yourself into that high vibrational, high consciousness state, things just flow. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I can completely relate. And I've talked about this before, you know, yeah, like writing those goals and, you know, changing your state some way or another, you know, just like what Tony Robbins talks about, right? Yeah. Old shower, running, you know, gratitude, whatever you need to do to feel good is just so important. Meditation is so important. Yeah. And one, one uh, thing that, that I think is also critical is having the self-awareness to do what's right for you individually. Yeah. Um, I'll, and I'll give you an example that, that made me think of this. For a long time, I really subscribed to the, you know, the messaging in the entrepreneurial world that if you're not waking up at 5 a.m. or 5.30 a.m., like you're not going to be successful. You're not, you're not a good entrepreneur, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And so for a long time, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was trying to wake up at, at 5.30. And what I realized was that I was actually starting because of that, I was starting every morning with my alarm going off at 5.30, me, you know, looking over, pressing snooze, then beating myself up for pressing snooze, you know, ultimately getting up at 6.15 or whatever, but getting up in this very negative headspace of beating myself up for not getting up at 5.30. Or even if I did get up at 5.30, you know, I would just be like, you know, groggy and in a bad mood and like wanting to sleep. And so I, I actually had, um, uh, this is a whole other tangent that that we get into if you want, but, um, I work with a, uh, a hypnotherapist. And so I was actually talking to him about this and he asked me, he's like, well, why are you getting up at five 30? And I was like, well, cause I, I feel like I should, right? I should, shouldn't I? And he's like, well, certainly not if it means that you're starting every day beating yourself up and talking down on yourself and, and making yourself, you know, feel like a, a piece of crap for, you know, not being able to effortlessly get up at 530. And so, um, 
just giving myself permission to do whatever I needed to do to start my day from a place of joy and a place of gratitude. For me, that's waking up at 7 a.m. and starting my day and not feeling bad that I'm waking up at 7 instead of 5. So um, anyway, just a little interesting point. I think it's really important to understand yourself and to uh, make sure that everything that you're doing is is going to put yourself in a happier, more positive, more joyful state because that ultimately is what is going to get you closer to your goals. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because that's so true. Why beat yourself up about it? I mean, this happened to me today. I set my alarm for six. I got up at eight and all morning I'm like, oh, like, you know, and all these things just sort of snowballed. And I was like, oh man, I did this myself, but I didn't have, you don't have to beat yourself up. I mean, that's the thing. You can always start fresh tomorrow right? and whatever works for you. And that's the problem with, with there's so many influencers and so much on social media where you see these, like, if you don't do this, then you won't be successful. And, but there's people like Tim Ferriss who, who are night owls, right? But you don't hear him talking about it. Like, you know, he, he, I'm pretty sure he, he works out at like ridiculous hours at night, (laughs) you know, like, but that's the thing. It's like, whatever works for you. And I think you should try all these things. And be like, hey, what, may, what state are you the best in? Especially if you work for yourself or for, you know, and you have that flexibility, right? Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I really like that. So um, I wanted to just dive in a little bit more into your business now. Now that we've kind of yeah. figured out, okay. Um, now what, what makes good Facebook ads? What, what like, what is, why, why does, you know, what is, how have you seen it change? Like, what am I trying to say here? Like, you know, because there's so much noise out there. Mm-hmm. There's so much crap on our feed of people trying to sell. Like what makes something stick and, and, and grab your attention? You know, like what is something that you've noticed and that you've really honed in on as, you know, helping people grow their, yeah. their campaigns? Yeah, certainly. Um, so I actually realized as you were reading my bio that I need to update that because we do actually run Google ads for our clients as well now. Um, but I think it's, it's, interesting the changes that we've seen with Facebook in particular, because now when I have prospective clients coming to me, you know, who are saying, Hey, you know, our ads were going great. And now we just, we just can't get the results that we used to. I look inside their accounts and I see, you know, they are still running their ads. Like it's 2016. Um, the reality is, is that the AI, the machine learning has gotten so much smarter in the last, you know, really the last year, year and a half. And so, whereas, um, you know, when I, when I was you know, running ads for clients in like early 2017 and, and learning from Jason, it was all about going really granular, you know, testing all of your interests individually, um, you know, having a ton of different campaigns, a lot of ad sets, a bunch of ads inside of all of those ad sets and doing, doing all of the testing, like a very manual, very granular kind of way. Um, that can actually work against you with today's algorithm. So because the AI has gotten so much smarter, this whole idea, you know, you'll hear people talk a lot now about account simplification, um, which is really that, you know, you can have, uh, you know, fewer campaigns, fewer ad sets, 
with larger audiences and really lean more on the algorithm to go find the right people within those groups. Um, and so I think that is, um, that is a, a big thing that um, you're seeing, you know, a lot of people adjust and, and change recently. But I think the, the real key to successful advertising, whether it be on Facebook or really anywhere, is it's not about your, your copy or your creative. You know, those are prerequisites. You have to have great copy. You have to have eye-catching creative that's going to stop the scroll. But the part that most people are missing is you have to have a phenomenal offer. You know, you can have the best ads in the world, but if your offer isn't compelling or if it isn't relevant to the people that you're trying to sell to, then you're dead in the water. You know, it's, it's never going to work. And so, you know, I see so often, you know, people, people come to me with, you know, a brand new product, brand new business, you know, none of it is tested and they think that their product is their offer. Your product's not your offer. Your product is a piece of your offer for sure. Um, but there's so much more that goes into building a compelling offer that's going to motivate people to buy. And so I think that is the biggest place that people need to start because, you know, if you, if you understand your customer, if you understand the, the messaging, you know, you have good copy. Um, if your ads still aren't working, it's probably an offer problem more than it is a, an ad problem. Very interesting because things have changed in the last few years. I remember when I started doing Facebook ads in the beginning of 2017, it was just like, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. Just testing everything, doing like, just, just shooting for the stars, <laughs> you know, like spent so much money, like yeah. so much thousands of dollars. And yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see things changing. And, you know, I, I love that. And I love hearing that. And it's such a fascinating world, you know, as far as like tapping in because everybody's on their phones. It's like, it's, right. and everyone's looking and it's like, it, it fascinates me. Like what's making that person stop and like, what's mm -hmm. to keep going to the next step, to the next step, you know? And I just, I love that. And how important is it though, at building that trust through, you know, your presence on social media. Oh, you know, it's absolutely like, critical. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. You know, you hear that again and again, and and it's true. Uh, and so you need to make sure that you are crafting your your messaging and your social media presence as a whole in a way that is going to create that trust and make sure that you know people are going to be comfortable in taking that next step with you um and so you know just to uh, get a little tactical, which hopefully this can uh, help some of your listeners out. If you are not advertising on your branded keywords on Google, that is a massive missed opportunity because most people are not going to purchase on the first touch point. You know, people might see your ad on Facebook, but then, you know, they're, they're going into Google and they're typing, you know, Lance Isios reviews, um, you know, and, and finding out, you know, what are other people saying about you? And so um, if you are not currently advertising on your own branded keywords, you're missing a massive opportunity to give people what they're looking for and to send them where you want them to go and give them the kind of experience that you know is going to push them further in the buying process. So, um, so that's one quick tactical thing um, for your listeners. But I think just 
overall, your, your activity on social media, the content that you're putting out, the consistency with which you're putting out that content, all of that is going to create brand awareness and create trust. That means that when, you know, someone sees your ad inside of the newsfeed, they're going to feel comfortable moving forward. Um, and then, you know, making sure that you are also creating that kind of experience in your ad itself. And then on the landing page where you're sending people, uh, is, is critical to getting the sale. Wow. I hope you guys are writing that down. People are going to have to re-listen. <laughs> that's gold. And I really, truly appreciate you sharing that because that stuff is awesome. And you guys listening out there, you, you'd be a fool to not check out her, her stuff. Like this is amazing. I want to, I want to send people to your site. Where can we find you? Um, needles. Is it needles? I media. Yes, correct. Oh. So E Y E. Um, and, uh, so you can go to needles, Uh, you can look me up on social media, obviously find me on Facebook, uh, or on Instagram at Dorothy Ilson. Uh, and I would love to connect with you. So, you know, reach out, tell me that, uh, that you heard me on Lance's podcast and happy to help however I can. And I just wanted to add that what we talked about before, you got this awesome little setup, this little bot that, can you talk about that a bit? Because I was really intrigued because before these interviews, um, I like to kind of dive in a little bit and just kind of get a taste of, you know, business and stuff. And I went in and there's these questions and there's this humor in it too. And I was like, man, this is awesome. So I urge you guys right now, if you're interested in this to go pause this or at the end, go check it out because it's really cool at qualifying you at sort of figuring out what it is you're after. And it's in a fun way. So I really, I really appreciated that as like, yeah. as somebody going in and seeing that. So, you know, maybe before we, we wrap it up, can you give us a little bit of like a story about that? And, you know, yes. why? Certainly, certainly. Um, so, so yeah, you can uh, you can find what Lance is talking about uh, when you go to my website, needlesieyemedia.com. You'll find uh, a little robot there on the website that's going to talk you through some questions, find out you know what you're looking for, what you need help with, and then uh, connect you with. Uh, with me. And that, uh, that actually was prompted by, um, you know, I had this, this big, beautiful website, um, that was very misleading because when I started my business, you know, all we did was Facebook ads. Um, you know, that was the, the one and only service. And since then things have evolved, you know, we now do uh, YouTube GDN and search for our clients as well, uh, and do that very successfully. And so it was, um, it was not good for, you know, us to be uh, offering these services, but then you go to our website and it's this outdated website that, um, you know, completely contradicts what the business actually looks like today. And so I just needed a quick fix for this. And so I had the, the idea, uh, this is actually an idea that, um, that I got from a mentor of mine who uses these kind of robots for uh, market research. And I thought, you know, Hey, what if I test this out on my site build this robot that's going to, you know, give me data on, you know, what people coming to my site are actually looking for. Um, and, uh, and I basically removed everything else. So when you go to the website, you find that robot and nothing but that robot. And if you want to move, move through uh, the process and ultimately connect with me, you have to go through that. And so, um, it was absolutely fascinating to me, the result. Um, so I'll tell you a, a quick little story about uh, what happened maybe 
two weeks after I launched that, uh, that robot on the site, I went and spoke at a social media conference outside of Chicago. And after my speech, um, you know, I had, uh, this guy come up to me who was in the audience and he started asking me, he's like, Oh, like, is this, is this your website? And I was like, Oh yes. And he's like, he, the punchline was he hated it. He was super frustrated. He's like, I was looking to find information about you. I want testimonials. I wanted like an about me page. I want to know your background, like all this stuff. And like, all I get is this robot that's like forcing me to go through this. And like, this is the worst. Um, and it was that kind of like veiled aggression where he was, um, you know, kind of, uh, positioning it as like friendly feedback, but it was just completely like passive aggressive, like yeah. this sucks. Um, and it really, for a minute, like it, it got to me and I was, I was upset about it. And then I had to, you know, take a step back and, and really put the, the filter on of, you know, again, who you take advice from is really, really important. So if I look at this guy who was, you know, trashing on my website, um, you know, he was not my ideal customer. He was not someone who, you know, frankly, would ever become a client. And so I really had to deliberately, you know, push that aside and not let it get to me. And what has been absolutely fascinating in the month since is that that change to my website, putting up that robot has gotten me more qualified leads, um, you know, more incredible fit clients than the, you know, old contact us form on my original website ever did. And yeah. so that I think is a really important thing is that, you know, your, the intention of your marketing is not to please everyone. The intention of your marketing is to please the right people and to absolutely repel everybody else. Uh, and that's really what it's done. And so now, um, you know, those kinds of people, they don't reach out to me. They don't, they don't go through that yeah. process and fill it out. Um, and so it's been, uh, it's been just a good learning experience, uh, just seeing, seeing the change that's made and being reminded of, you know, how important it is to, you know, make sure that you are, you know, doing things for, um, for your ideal customer and not worrying about the rest. Yeah. I love it. I really appreciated it because you don't get that very often. <clears throat> and it's unique. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like, Hey, like, what are you looking for here? And if you want to get on a call then we'll get on a call, it's, it's awesome. And that's why I really wanted to bring it up because there's just so much bullshit on so many sites and it's like, it's, it was just cool. And I like, that's the thing. It's like the people that appreciate it will be your ideal mm -hmm. customers. Right. And mm -hmm. yeah, no, awesome. You guys make sure you check it out. We'll have all the information in the show notes. Um, one more question, just my one staple question that I ask everybody, um, <clears throat> everybody's is different. This is what the beautiful thing is, you know, what's your one tip for overcoming adversity, whether it be in life and business going from one career to the other, you know, what advice could you give to our listeners to overcome adversity, to go on, to become successful in their lives? Mm. So I read this book, um, that I, it was probably about three years ago that I first read it and it completely shifted uh, the way that I think about adversity and, and think about my problems. Um, the book is called Zen and the Art of Happiness um, by Chris Prentice. Um, fair warning, it, def it definitely, um, you know, it gets a little bit into the like kind of spiritual side of, of personal development, but the, the main takeaway from that book is to treat everything that happens to you as if it is the best possible thing 
that could happen to you. And it's, it's interesting how things change when you start to look at your life through that lens, because I think all of us have had uh, the experience and you and I were even talking about this a little bit before we hit record. We've all had an experience where something happens that at the time feels disastrous. It feels like the end of the world. We've just gotten, you know, punched in the face and, and we're knocked out. And then in hindsight, you know, mo- you know, weeks, months, years later, you look back and, and can see how, gosh, like that was the best, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, you know, whatever came from that, however I grew from that, um, you know, it was, it was opening the door for something better, you know, whatever it might be, you can see in hindsight that, that it was actually a positive, what felt like a, a, a clear negative at the time. And so it's, it's really powerful what can happen when you start to look through that lens in real time, when something is happening to you um, that, that feels like a negative, just ask yourself that question. How could this be the best thing that could possibly happen for me? And when you ask yourself that question, your brain is going to come up with an answer. When I journal, most of my journaling is me asking questions and then answering them. What can I be proud of today? What's amazing right now? You know, what, um, you know, what's going right for me? And, you know, you are going to start to have that perspective shift where you're looking for the positives, even when it feels like the whole world is falling apart. And I think that is really the key to making through adversity because, you know, you, you never end up somewhere good, um, from the easy path. Uh, and so starting to frame things in that way and being grateful for the struggles while they're happening, it is not easy to do. I certainly don't want to imply that. Um, but it is something that will absolutely change your life. Wow. Powerful. Thank you so much for that. That was great. Um, I wrote that book down. Um, I, I, I've never heard of that. I've heard of Zen and the art of other stuff, but I'm going to, I'm going to look into that. That's great. That was a great tip. Super, super important at your perspective. And I love that about the journaling too, about having questions. Cause sometimes my one question I was going to ask you earlier is, you know, what do you journal about? But I love that about the questions because then you kind of just, things just flow mm-hmm. from that question. Right. So yeah. Well, and uh, here I'll do this. I actually have a uh, list of um, of questions that uh, I like to go to again and again when I journal, um, you know, call them prompts, if you will. So anyone who wants to reach out to me, fill out that robot on my website to reach out yeah. or, or shoot me a DM on social media, I'd be happy to share that list with you. That's awesome. And I encourage you guys to do so. Also check out um, Do Well, Do Good podcast. Amazing podcast. It was, and you Go Thank check you. out our episode together, The Reversal. It was great. Um, yeah, I, I encourage you guys all to go check out Dorothy. Lots of good stuff. And I really, truly appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, everybody. As always, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. I really appreciate you. And check out Dorothy's work. She's awesome. And yeah, guys, we'll catch you next time. Have an amazing day. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.